0: What does a fraud investigation look like? Hi, this is Tom Field, Editorial Director with Information Security Media Group. I'm talking about fraud investigations today, and I'm talking with Jean-Francois Legault, Senior Manager with Deloitte & Touche's Forensic and Dispute Services Practice in Montreal, Canada. JF, thank you so much for joining me today. It's a pleasure. To start out with, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your experience with fraud investigations, please?
1: Sure. Um... I have sort of a distinct background of a lot of people that do fraud investigations. I came up through uh, the world of information security and then got into fraud investigations. So I started off uh, doing work in the field of information security and network security for about nine years prior to focusing on uh, fraud investigations. Throughout those nine years in information security... I spent quite a bit of time uh, supporting investigations, supporting fraud investigations, supporting internal investigations, and that's really where I got interested in the world of fraud investigations. I found it extremely challenging and started to focus uh, a lot of the work that I did on fraud investigations. Um, I was lucky enough that uh, doing my graduate degree, I had done a graduate degree in information security. Information systems, specializing in information security. So I had both uh, the business background because it was a business degree, and the technical background that I got uh, that I gathered through uh, the work I did in information security. So now, when I'm faced with uh, fraud investigations, I not only look at them from the business side, but also the technical side to get an idea of how we can utilize technology in supporting fraud investigations and facilitating the investigations and also where we can actually uh, find evidence where people who focus on the financial side of things might not think to look
0: well this is fascinating i really want to walk through the different stages of a fraud investigation to get started give us a sense of when you typically get called into a case
1: well, we get called in at various uh points in time. Uh sometimes it's it's an organization that calls us and says, you know, we know we've been a victim. Uh we need your assistance in figuring out figuring out how it happened. In other cases, they've actually gone through the entire scheme, but they want an outside party to help them quantify the loss. And in other cases, uh we get calls where we're told Well, we think we have a problem with our system and this happens a lot in uh, system conversions where they're moving from one system to another and then something comes up, they don't really understand what the situation is. We get brought in and start having a look and at the same time, when we're examining system conversions, you can also think that it might be a human error or in other cases it's fraud and sometimes it just turns out that it's fraud, so we help the organization uh, walk through the paces. A lot of time, our work is done in assistance to the organization. So they really call us in whenever they feel that outside assistance is required. Uh, one of the things that do, that do come up is, and one of the dangers, is that organizations call us up and say, well, we've already done a lot of the work, and we couldn't find anything. Can you come back and examine... Uh, what we've already reviewed. And sometimes the evidence, when we're talking about electronic evidence, has been altered because the organization hasn't necessarily rely on the proper mechanisms to analyze this evidence.
0: Well, you make a good point there. Now, at whatever point you get brought into an investigation, what are your immediate tasks?
1: Well, let me split this in two. There's two things we really need to think about. The first one is How do we stop this, or do we stop this? Uh, In certain cases, you might want to accumulate evidence and see how things go. So the first step is actually understanding the scheme. What's going on? What evidence do I have? What's been going on? What are the facts surrounding this? So it's a little bit like if you watch uh, CSI, They look at the entire crime scene. Well, that's the same thing we do at a different level. I don't necessarily like using the CSI analogy because uh, the way they handle evidence is not what we really do in the real world sometimes. But getting the big picture of what's going on is what we do the first time around.
0: Now, what are the potential obstacles that you might encounter when you initiate an investigation?
1: Well, uh, one of the biggest obstacles is gaining access to the information that we need, and sometimes it's not. Um, how did I say? It's not necessarily an obstacle. It's just the complexity of the systems. Uh, you, you know, just think of how organizations manage their accounting systems, their payroll, their accounts payable. What information is available to us for review? So. It, it, it's a challenge in the beginning to get a grasp on all the information that you can use, how you can use it, and converting this information. And that's where um, I'd say people with a strong information security, information systems background come into play in fraud investigations now, where I regularly get brought in by my forensic accounting colleagues who are looking at a fraud and going, what information can we use and how can we use it? So they bring me in to understand the systems, where the electronic evidence resides, where the information is, and how we can process it into a usable format. You can imagine that, you know, manually reviewing millions of transactions is not something most people look forward to. And that's why we usually take this information and process it in an effort to identify the patterns, the schemes, and the fraud itself.
0: So, JF, if things go well in investigation, what typically happens? Well, if things
1: go well, uh, we quickly have a good picture of what happened, how much uh, was or uh, embezzled, and we can tell the organization, this is how it happened. And this, the, the this is how it happened is very important to them because they don't want it to happen again. And that's uh, sometimes why we get brought into very small fraud investigations. And it's not necessarily because of the amount. It's because of the potential amount. So the organization does realize that even though it was a small fraud, somebody could have taken advantage of that loophole in the controls and went and embezzled a lot more money. So they wanna know how it happened, how do we what do we do so it doesn't happen again? And the big question is usually how much.
0: Now the flip side of that, if things don't go well in an investigation where, do the, where does it typically go badly?
1: Where does it typically go badly?
0: Well, it can be a number of things. It can
1: be an extremely complex uh, environment. It can be an extremely complex fraud. It doesn't mean that they go badly. It just means that we have more challenges in understanding uh, what happened. Uh, you know, if we look at it from a technology side. Uh, you know, some of the big surprises that you get are older database systems, older applications that make getting the data out extremely complex. So, it doesn't go badly, but it just slows us down in the work that we need to do. You know, we've recently had an investigation where the information did not reside in a database form anymore. It was all PDF reports. So we had to convert 325,000-page reports back into electronic format for us to be able to analyze the information, to be able to tell the client exactly how much was embezzled and how the embezzlement occurred. So it's not necessarily going badly. It's just that it's difficult or it takes more time for us to get to the result that we wish we could get to.
0: Well, that was a great illustration you used. Could you perhaps in- describe to us a successful investigation or two?
1: Um, some successful investigations. Um, I'll just take two distinct examples. Since I work on two sides, one of them is supporting um, fraud, financial fraud investigations, and the other one is actually leading. Uh, the technical fraud investigations. I'll start with the technical. Uh, one of the things that we see a lot of today is intellectual property theft. Uh, organizations have a lot of information uh, that is of extremely uh, large value to them. It can be client lists. It can be uh, documents. It can be formulas. It can be source code. It can be just about anything that gives value to an organization. And in one uh, specific instance, we were called in by an organization telling us that they suspected that an employee had, in fact, uh, stolen uh, a copy of all the source code that was developed by the organization. And this organization was a software developer so you know this code was all that they had as value of the organization so what we did is we actually uh, seized this person's computer at work we performed a forensic image so that's a bit-by-bit copy of uh, the person's hard drive maintain chain of custody throughout this entire process and we then went on to analyze uh, the forensic image of this computer To find that uh, the person had uploaded all of the company's source code using automated scripts, so he was doing it on a regular basis, he uploaded all this information online so that he could download it from home. So we were able, uh, extremely quickly, within about 24 hours, to establish how the information was uh, transferred out of the organization, where the information went, and we were able to identify what to do for this not to happen again. So that was a successful one uh, on the technical side. On the, the financial fraud side, um, a lot of the work, as I mentioned, is in support of financial fraud investigations. So if, if we get back to the example I used earlier where we had to convert uh, th- th- these reports back to electronic format, that took uh, quite a bit of time to get done, but once we had this information, we were able to identify uh, using analytics. So that's using statistical analysis of uh, the data that we had. We were able to identify all of the irregular transactions which had been performed by a clerk within the organization. And since this organization was processing hundreds of thousands of transactions a week, we really had to rely on electronic analysis. Had we not been able to do that, uh, we'd still have people flipping through reports right now. So that was a successful one from the standpoint of taking a large set of data and bringing it down to results which were easily presentable to the stakeholders involved.
0: Now, JF, maybe I have a skewed perspective because I see an awful lot of fraud incidents in the news, but it seems to me that there are great career opportunities today for fraud examiners. Is this so? Uh,
1: yeah, I, I, I'd have to say so. Um, you know, I, I think that I pretty much have a, a job guaranteed for life in this area uh, because we're, we're seeing more and more fraud, and fraud is more and more complex from a technological standpoint. If you look at mobile devices, personal computers, laptops, all of the complexities of evidence, well, organizations are looking for people who can, in fact, analyze this and understand what this means in the context of a fraud investigation. Uh, You know, examining the content of a hard drive uh, is one thing, but when you look at the forensic analysis, so understanding when the files were written, what, uh, you know, certain registry keys mean, uh, what certain files on the system mean, uh, you're, you're looking for people with a strong technical background, but at the same time that can understand the business side. Because fraud is, uh, occurs on the business side. So we need people, uh, and, and I say we need because, I'm doing quite a bit of recruiting these days. Uh, we need people that can actually understand uh, what the business is, what the business angle is, and translate that into the technical side of things and what they're looking for. So yes, there are uh, a lot of opportunities for people in this area. So if people have um, a technical background, you know, they could look into things like the, the certified fraud examiner certification because it covers four bodies of knowledge which are not necessarily technical but will give them the business side, the legal side and the investigative mindset that they need to transition their uh, information security skill set into a fraud investigation skill set.
0: What advice would you offer to someone that's looking to either start or restart their career today in fraud examination?
1: Well, one of the things I touched on is the certified fraud examiner designation. And I I think that one plays a a pretty big role. So anybody looking to get into fraud examinations should uh, look at and and seriously look at the certified fraud examiner uh, designation because it covers such a vast body of knowledge for fraud. So I would look at that and also um, work on understanding if you're coming from the technical side, look at understanding the business side. And if you're coming from more of a business side, have a look at the technical side because a lot of the people that we're going to be meeting are people who can actually... Translate uh, from, for example, a CFO to a team of analysts that are looking for evidence on a computer. So there is sort of a path where the information needs to be translated from the business situation into the technical situation, and these are really the people that are going to have a high value in, in the coming years.
0: Jeff, this has been very informative. Thanks so much for sharing your time and your insight today. It was a pleasure. We've been talking about fraud investigations, and I've been talking with Jean-Francois Legault. He's a senior manager with Deloitte & Touche's Forensic and Dispute Services practice in Montreal. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.